What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 233. It is a big one. I have Ryan here tonight, but we also have from the Detroit Red Wings, Daniela Bruce and the Detroit Tigers now. Uh, Daniela Bruce, just the all around Detroit sports media personality. How are you doing, Daniela? On vacation. I'm good. Yes, you guys are getting vacation, Daniela, today. Everybody listening, just know that. I have been <laughs> on all day, but obviously this was super important. This is very important to me getting on this podcast. So just know you're, you're getting me in a di- different mood, different mode. We're getting hyped up peak, Daniela. <laughs> Ryan, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. We have the queen of Detroit sports media here, so I can't really be too upset. And she's taking time out of, you know, a boat to be with us. So I'm ecstatic. Any time out of out of sight of a boat, those are precious minutes it's during true. Michigan summer because it does not last very long. Yes, nailed it. That's exactly it. We have to take advantage of every nice weather day we get. Uh, so we are going to start and we'll just get right into it. We're going to go big news first. Alex Dabrinka is a Detroit Red Wing. The Detroit Red Wings traded for him. Uh, Dominique Kubalik, Donovan Sabrango, a conditional first and a fourth in 2024. Uh, he was then signed for four years at $7.875 million. And the condition on the first is that we get to pick whether it is our pick or Boston's. And if the Boston pick slips because they land in the top 10 and it slips to 2025, we can pick between our pick or the 2025 pick as well. So, I mean, all around, that's I call it a fleece basically because I and it's no no like downplaying the the ability of Dominic Kubelik, but he's only got one year left on his contract. And that was the big thing for me. You get Donovan Sabrango, who could become a 7D in the NHL. You give up that pick that Iserman said that he he gets a lot of flexibility on it. And there are options now with that pick to where they're not tied to anything. And the Red Wings get their two time 40 goal score. Daniela, what was your immediate reaction? Because, again, you were like on vacation. So not quite yet. I still had to work the Tigers game yesterday. So last night I was still in work mode a bit when all of this went through. But I think I had the same reaction everybody else did. What a deal. And as you mentioned, it's not a knock on Dominic Kubelik because I think Ottawa is getting a great player. Like he has the potential to score too. He has shown that he has that pure goal score capability. It's just when you look at what the Red Wings need, Alex Dabrinkit was fitting in that mold. He's going to fit in very nicely with this spot. And Donovan Sabrango also has that potential for Ottawa. It just, how does he fit into the Red Wings organization anymore? Especially when you have so many other young defensive prospects in the system, it was minimal that they had to give up, I think. And to bring Alex, to bring it in on a four-year deal, nonetheless, is also great. That's a nice bridge deal to see what happens after that is excellent too. And then with the pick, this is what we've been talking about for so many years with Steve Eisenman acquiring draft picks, to be able to have the capability to pull off trades like this, to pull off deals like this, whether he used them or he dealt them. That's what we've talked about for years. The past three drafts, I feel like we've been talking about that. So he finally took one of those chips and used him to bring in a piece that the Red Wings need. And I think it, it was a great deal for the Red Wings. I think Ottawa got some talent back and they all obviously are going to get a first round pick next year, or maybe that's 2025, depending on how things go. But really excited to have Alex to bring it as a, wet, a Red Wing. I think we have all been hearing about it for so many weeks now that it just feels good that it's finally done. And it wasn't just a farce. It wasn't just, you know, playing tricks on us and it never happened. So I think it's really exciting that he's going to be a Red Wing now. Yeah, I think we just kept posting that gif of uh, old Rose from Titanic, like it's been 84 years. Um, exactly. but, 
<laughs> just to bring everyone again before we get Ryan's take on it back up to speed on Debrink, his J Fresh War card has him at a projected war of 90%. Uh, he is 25. His contract will bring him to like his year 30 season, which is like perfect, right? Uh, right there in the middle. An EV offense of 77%, EV defense of 33, but a finishing of 90 and a goals per 60 of 91. And that's where you get your money out of Debrinket is he can bury the puck. And I think he's going to be amazing with someone like Dylan Larkin, who his first job, Dylan Larkin is a great goal scorer. Dylan Larkin's best attribute is his playmaking and his speed. And the goal scoring is just extra. And just to dispel everything about he played with the most amazing people ever. And he played on a line with Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla. Not really. He played 128 minutes with Tim Stutzla last season. Uh, if I go down to Brady Kachuk, he played 35 minutes with Brady Kachuk. His main line mates were Shane Pinto, Drake Batherson, and Claude Giroux. Now, is Batherson, this at five on five? Is that what you're looking at? Specifically? This is at five on five. Right. Yep. Um, but this is those are his main line mates all season. Now, not to say that those guys are slouches, but he was not playing with like the top line in Ottawa. And just to say that the, he rides on the coattails of, of others is, I think, completely just it's very irrational to say something like that. But, Ryan, what was your uh, immediate reaction? What's your take on the whole thing? I mean, when I first saw it go through, it was a it was one of those it's about time reactions, I think. But it was also Ryan did the Lizzo. The what? The Lizzo. It's about damn time. Oh, is that her song? See, I don't know these things. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Ryan, continue. <laughs> Talking to a guy that's that prefers to listen to Led Zeppelin over most things. Um, but no, I mean, it's um, when you look at what Detroit got and like to what you just mentioned with who he was playing with. The complaint is that he was riding the coattails of Patrick Kane in the sort in Chicago. But look what he did with high end talent as his center and winger. Like the skill is there. You you tap, put him up there with a Dylan Larkin. Does Larkin now finally become that? point per game, 90 point guy. Like, is he putting up 60 assists this year? Because I think that could be in the realm of possibility with Debrinket, not only on his wing at five on five, but now you're adding that to the power play. Your power play just got far more dangerous with Debrinket. You get like a ghost gossip spear. Uh, if you get Perron out there with Larkin, then you can throw in anyone else on there and it's going to be dangerous. But Debrinket, what's, I'm trying to find the quote. I, sh- I wish I had that pulled up. Was it Iserman that said it today where, one shot can change a game or something along those lines. Yep. Yep. One mm-hmm. shot can change a game or, uh, it, and then Debrink even said himself that the power play special teams decides a lot of games now in the NHL. That's, that's something that we as fans have not been able to hang our hat on for a long time with a shooter from Detroit. I mean, you can say that Perron was maybe getting into that realm where we were hoping some other guys in the past had maybe brought that. I mean, Kubelik shot, he showed last season what he could do, but it never was that true game-breaking breaking moment. If Debrinket can go back to just even two years ago with what he was doing, putting the pucks in the net, sold. And the, the fact that he came in under $8 million, just a little, what was it, seven eight seven five, and four years? I'm minute, getting the Iserman Gandalf picture. Did most ready. people think it'd be at least eight and a half nine million at the, at oh, the yeah. minimum? I, and everyone thought it was going to be seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Especially with four years, I thought it was going to be, it had to be over eight, right? When oh, yeah. Four years, it had to be over eight. But obviously, he wanted to be here. And I think that's that's a big part of this. And we don't know the details of the conversations. Obviously, we we read what we see. And we don't know how much of that is true. And Steve Eiserman made it sound like it was a pretty 
easy done deal. They had the trade in place. They came to a term that they liked and it was done. So I, I, I think it has to do with wanting to be here, wanting that change of scenery, wanting to get another opportunity somewhere else. And obviously his family's really excited to have him here. He talked about that a lot in his press conference today. It's big for him and it's a big opportunity to play with maybe a little more talent than he did last yeah. year in Ottawa. And it's going to, I think it's going to be great for him. And I think he fits in great. Yeah. I think the, I think his parents might be more excited about the baby being in town than him being in town. Uh, but like you mentioned, the thing that kind of stood out to me is that Iserman and Alex both made it sound like this all happened really quick. Like Iserman said he talked to Ottawa before the uh, before the draft, talked a little bit around free agency and then got the deal done with Alex's agent. Like he said, he lets his agent handle it in like a few days as to where Elliot Friedman and everyone for the past three weeks has been pounding the pavement on this. Like sounds like Detroit sounds like Detroit. And I mean, maybe. But the whole thing just seems like it, it didn't drag on at all from from their words. It happened pretty quick. It's interesting to see how this all played out based on the comments today. Not saying, but uh, Daniela, maybe you can slide into Larkin in some conversation, what that conversation was with them on the golf course. Just yeah, we'll, it out there. Will be asked. He will be asked eventually. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> That's the asked. other part. Dylan's out there shadow GMing for Stevie on the golf course, putting in a good word for to build his team. Where the C, you take some of those responsibilities, right? When you know you've got a free agent, well, I guess he would have been a free agent next year, a guy that is looking to be traded and he's local and you can go take him out to the links and, you know. That's There's no tampering with players. It's, it's good. No, it's clear. if a player talks to another player, I'm not sure that's tampering. You don't, you don't, you're not in management. <laughs> <laughs> but was there anything that you pulled out of those pressers specifically, Danielle, before we get to dev camp? You know, I really wasn't surprised by much of it. I think it is exactly what everybody's thinking. Steve Eiserman knows they need a goal scorer and knew they needed one. And he even addressed that after he made all of the free agent signings back on July 1st. He said he didn't feel like he got that goal scorer he wanted. And boom, he makes it happen. And Alex Dabrinkit, it was no secret he wanted to be here. So it seemed like a good fit, even like you said, three weeks ago when we started hearing the rumblings that Alex Dabrinkit might want to be a Red Wing Detroit's the spot. So I, I really, there's not much that was surprising or stand outish to me about the press conferences, but I think both sides are really excited. That's what I got from it. I think Steve Eiserman is happy to have a guy like Alex to bring it here to be that game changer, to improve the Red Wings power play. And I think that Alex to bring it feels the same way. And Eiserman mentioned seeing Ben Sherratt in the hallway on the way up to uh, his office the other day and just getting to chat with him and He's excited about it. So players are starting to feel the excitement and that's a good thing for the Red Wings. They need some of that back in the locker room and they took so much, so many steps forward last year. It felt like if you could just plug a few pieces in, in certain spots that it would have been a different season. And I think we've got one of those pieces heading into the new season. So Leah, nothing super surprising out of the press conferences today. And it made free agency make so much sense. That was the one thing. And I think it was Brian and Scotty from uh, Locked on Red Wings. They said the same thing. They said that if you get a guy like Debrinkit, it makes free agency make so much sense with the moves that they made to add the depth and adding that score in really rounds out the entire roster. And now the flexibility and talent is there on each line. Can I say this about free agency too? Because I did, originally I saw a lot of criticism about what Steve Eiserman did and the moves he made. And okay, we all wanted the goal scorer, right? I get that. but. If you look at the deals based on term and money that you're paying some of the players he brought in, aside from JT Comfer, we're all one, two, three-year deals, short-term deals 
where if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world, right? It's, it makes for some flexibility to make some other moves. And then I like the JT Comfort deal. I don't think oh, yeah. he's forward in his style. And I saw a lot of complaints about the Reimer deal. But you know what? Again, he's on a one-year deal and he's got a chance to prove himself to be a legitimate backup here. He's going to be a backup to Billy Huso. I think we already know that. And now he's got a shot to get himself some games, so maybe 20, 30 games in there. I think it's a good deal, good value on all of the deals that Steve Eiserman signed. So I think everyone needs to take a breath when you're evaluating those. Like, just look at the term, look at the money and the things that this team needs, because they're not quite there yet. They need players to build the depth, to add to the depth chart. And that's exactly what he did. And I think he did a really good job with it. I want to jump on that one because I think we're talking about, I don't know if that was with you, Greg, or um, Pete and the guys, but we're talking about, We'll look at like a Vegas and some of these other teams, the superstars, they got one, maybe two. I mean, you could argue Vegas probably has a couple. You got Petrangelo, um, Mark's their stone. And then you got a few other guys that you could maybe borderline tier, if you will. But Detroit's now, but you look at the whole roster, at like how they're put together. Everyone's contributing in some sense. Mm-hmm. And they're all, it's 200 foot game of hockey. Look at the way Detroit's been built out now. I noticed something interesting that you pretty much have every line with a lefty and a righty on both wings defense. It, it shades off on the one on one pair, depending on how things shake out, but there's balance and there's two way players, but aggressive playmaking type players out there now that he's brought onto the roster. And it's not going to be a throw it all onto Brinkett's shoulders or Larkin's shoulders. Now it's, Hey, we've got guys that can make things happen. They have a track record of making th- things happen. And to boot, more of these guys that he brought in again have been to the playoffs and or Stanley Cup and our champions. There's the trend there that continues to happen. And it's it's hard. I don't know how people can be upset. I get it. But just because people like to be mad online. But it's it's all right there. Just watch what's happening. Look at how this team has changed. I posted it today. Thank you, Mario, for this. Not including Fabry. There's five players that have survived since 2019-20 when Iserman took over. Everyone else has gone, replaced, and that's including like lists year over year, of not including like some of the prospects in the sort. It means Adina finally, he, he's finally gone. Not saying finally, but he's he's now gone. But like Berggren, Larkin, Raz, uh, Valeno, Lindstrom, very small list of younger players that have been partly impactful are all that remains. Everything else is brand new. That's what Eisman had to do to make this relevant. I'm going to read, I don't know. Did you guys see what Pat Caputo put out? He had a really good stat that he put out on his Twitter that I love, and I want to read it to everybody. Departed skaters, Bertuzzi, Hironic, Verana, Ernie, Suter, Osterly, Hag, Zadina, and Sunquist combined for 50 goals and a minus 40 for the Red Wings last season. Skaters acquired in Comfort, Sprong, Gostas Beer, Hole, and Costin combined for 63 goals and a plus 43 in 22-23. Beat so, the defense. There's not much. I mean, there's something to that. Obviously, all of those players were on different teams. So looking at their combined plus minus may not be super valuable. But they the, the thing is, they all played on good teams. They all put up good numbers. Their goal totals are higher. They play better defense. And I think that's what people are forgetting that we had to fill so many spots because there were so many people that we traded at the deadline. There were players that we lost in free agency that I think people are kind of forgetting about. So I I really liked that stat. I looked at that and I said, wow, that's a very interesting way to look at it. 
just beefing up the defense, like you said, playing a 200-foot game. That's been important to Steve Eiserman from the beginning, and he's going to bring in players that fit that mold. Yeah, that's what we had said when we did our free agent episode last week, is that even looking at them individually, though, their individual stat cards, they're all very defensively responsible, with the exception of maybe one or two people that don't need to be as defensively responsible if you pair them with someone that is. So like we generally say is we don't really like plus minus as an individual stat, but their individual cards absolutely back that up. So it's in Eiserman even said when you go in and get guys that are more defensively responsible, the offense can come through in that defensive responsibility. Uh, you let in less goals and then you give your guys more room to score. So uh, we're going to move on to what we have Daniela on tonight before she needs to jet me and Ryan will uh, come back around to the uh, Debrinket press conference towards the end of the episode. But Daniela covered development camp because she's been the world's busiest person in sports. Um I think I want to point out first who my standouts were through the tournament. And then we've got a few questions from people on Twitter uh, about dev camp and about prospects. So my standouts from the tournament, uh, Axel Sandin Palika. Amazing. The dude is uh, the dude's going to be a phenom. I'm so excited. Uh, Amadeus Lombardi. You can see the talent. Dylan James was a surprise to me and I'd been watching him for a little bit, but he looked very, very good. Trey Augustine's a monster. Uh, Nate Danielson looked smooth, developed, uh, really polished, big guy. Marco Casper for his time out there looked good coming back from injury. Uh, Brennan Ali had some goals and looked really good. Uh, Alex Doucette, you can see why they signed him. Uh, Shai Boom, after people have been down on him a little bit, he really showed out and, and looked very good in the tournament. Carter Mazur is going to piss off a lot of people. And Red Savage just continues to be solid. Like the name is as good as his play on the ice. Um, but those were kind of my standouts. But what was your overall kind of feeling from development camp? How was the attitude? Uh, how were the guys feeling? And just like what what kind of stood out to you? Well, I thought it was really cool, first of all, that the entire 2023 draft class was able to be there. The Dower Nelson brothers did not skate in the three on three tournament, but they had been there all week. So being able to meet and see those players on the ice for some time was, was very cool. And especially for a guy like Nate Danielson, again, a pick that many people didn't expect, kind of throwing it back to the most cider pick a few years ago. But you were, you're right. He was probably the one I was keeping my eye on the most because you want to know so much about him being taken by overall. And I was really impressed with his composure. And that is something that they preached about him. Chris Draper talked to me about it when I sat down with him for the recap, just that he thinks the game really well and he plays a really good 200 foot game for somebody his age. It's hard to take the goal scoring away from young talents, right? When you have that capability, that's what you're focused on as a young guy. Nate Danielson, that's great when he scores. That's great when he provides offense, but he cares so much about playing a responsible 200 foot defensive game. And it stuck out. You could see it. You could see the way he thinks the game. And Marco Casper, same thing, being able to come off of injury and make a little impact in the three-on-three tournament was exciting. So that that was really good. And to find out that he actually broke his kneecap in the game against Toronto was incredible to me. I kind of thought he had already had an injury coming in and then it got worse or, you know, something happened. But he broke it that game and played through part of it. So That's insane. Incredible. Yeah, incredible. Um, loved that. And Carter Mazer was probably my number one. And that might be just because how much we got to talk to him and the type of player that he is, the type of guy that he is coming into a media availability and saying, well, I like to piss people off and just being that blunt about it. And he's good. He's got a lot of talent. He's going to be a 
Tyler Bertuzzi-esque player, but maybe even with a little more skill. So that's something that fans should be super excited about. And I was heavily watching Sebastian Cosa too, because we know how big of a year he had in Toledo. And looking at the way he performed in this development camp compared to last year's, he didn't do anything crazy, I know, but he looked so much more comfortable. He looked like he was in way more control, seemed to be more crisp, more clean. So I think he's made huge steps from the last time we saw him at development camp too. It looks like the uh, the cockiness is still alive and strong with Kosa as well. Oh yeah. He did ask me, we were, I forget who he was with, but I was walk. I was down the, on the ice about to do one of my like in-between game interviews. And he goes, Hey, Danielle, can you take a picture of us on the ice real quick? I need to post it because we were, we played junior together. So I had to like trot out onto the ice, take a picture and then run back. Yeah. But he's a great kid. Great kid. Super good personality. And I, I hope he gets here sooner rather than later, like most people. And he's really, really looking forward to likely being in Grand Rapids next year. So he, he seems really excited. Yeah, Carter Mazur has my quote of the entire thing. Uh, his two jobs this summer are to pl- uh, to get good at hockey and eat. And I tweeted it and I said, yeah, mine are the same except for part number one. Uh, it's just it, it's amazing. And his attitude is also another one that like, like I said, he's going to be he's going to piss a lot of people off on the ice, but he just seems like a great locker room guy and a great media guy because he'll give you the quotes. He seems like just super awesome down to earth, dude, who just his job is to go out there and run people over and make them mad. This is totally my opinion. Um, I think he has a shot at making the roster this year. I think he's going to come. In oh, I said it earlier. Yeah. And I think we should be keeping a really close eye on him if he comes in and has a really good camp, a really good preseason there's a shot for him to be in this lineup. And I know it's getting a little heavy now. We don't know exactly where the pieces are going to fall, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did crack the lineup out of camp. Well, then that is one question that we got from listeners that I will throw to you now from Mario on Twitter at NotLuigi89. Did anyone at Dev Camp make you think we need to keep an eye on this guy in September besides Mazer? Oh, besides Mazer. Now you're going to really throw me for a loop here. Like Marco. Do you think Marco's got a shot? Gonna say, can I say Marco? Is that fair? I know that seems like the the cop out, but I really think he's the one that's most NHL ready out of um, the rest of them. Like I would say, Carter Mazer number one, Marco Casper number two. It, it's just hard to say because you don't know what kind of camp they're gonna have. Marco played one game in the NHL on a broken kneecap, so I don't know how good of a look we really got there. He obviously didn't play any AHL games either. So it wouldn't surprise me if they start him in the AHL and if he tears it up, maybe he's that first call up at some point throughout the season. But he is also someone that I could see having a really good camp. He's feisty. He's, he doesn't sound like it. He's kind of a quiet kid, but he's feisty and he's competitive. So I can see him coming in ready to go and having a really good camp, too, and making that decision really tough on our management and coaching staff, which is totally fine by me. Now we got from Lars at Lars Thorsel. How much did Axel Sandin Palika's skill in skating surprise you? Or were you already aware of the level that he was at? I can't lie and say I was super aware. I'm not huge on prospects. Like I don't study these prospects. I maybe do a little bit leading up to the draft, but I'm not watching them completely throughout the season. I'm kind of popping in on some of the guys that might be the top picks and, and all of that. So I wasn't super familiar with him. But I'm not surprised by it to be taken at 17, a Swedish defenseman taken by the Red Wings. You kind of expect the style, right? You know what style player you're going to be getting. And to see him look as good as he did may have been a a little surprising or made me pretty excited about getting to watch him. But knowing that that's the way he plays the game was not surprising to me at all. We've seen that many times before. He's a little smaller than 
the other defenseman that Steve has drafted lately. And he's not small. I think he's still like 5'10", 5'11", something like that. Yeah, he's, he's, exactly- like he's one inch off a of six foot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's still, he's still tall. Um, but he's, he was great. I think it was really exciting to see that. But like I said, not really surprising because when you factor in Detroit Red Wings drafting a Swedish defenseman in the first round, it all just kind of makes sense. Did any of the, and this might be a tough one just to recall, any of the free agent invitees really look, because I know there's a, quite a few of them every time at every camp, and you really start to notice them if they're invited to Traverse City uh, to go into the prospect tournament. Um, but it seemed like this this crop of them, like last year we had Jeremy Biakabatuka, who really stood out and looked really good, and I thought he might get a deal. But it seems like this year maybe that 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 group was a little a little less kind of like showy. Yeah, they were a little McQuinsky. Is that how you pronounce his name? Um, I'm I'm blanking now, but I think it was McQuinsky. He had a a goal and a really nice setup. Pretty sure he was a free agent invitee. And he looked really good. So I'd have to go back and look at the roster just to pull that name up and and uh, double check it for you. But you're right. There were not like the Bianca Batuka last year. We didn't get much of that situation. And there were so many other draft picks. Like I said, that whole class was there. Um, we were pretty focused in on the picks that the Eiserman made and the guys that we hoped were taking a step forward. I think you mentioned Shai Buyum. Obviously, he, he's not a free agent invitee, but he really stood out because he was taking some heat about not having a great year in Denver, not developing as fast as they were hoping he would develop and even maybe digressing a little bit. But he looked really good. He found some great chemistry with Amadeus Lombardi throughout that three-on-three tournament. They were making plays. So that really stuck out to me too. And I think I could probably better answer that question after training camp or seeing anybody at the prospect tournament that might be invited there too. Lombardi was pretty good, wasn't he? Lombardi was good. Lombardi is good. And I'm happy that... He uh he came back and he he was just maybe not he didn't have like the four point game or the four goal game, whatever it was that he had last year, but he was impressive. And you can tell he's really working hard to develop. He's got to get a little stronger and bigger, which most of these guys do that are at a development camp because a lot of them are 18, 19 years old. Of course, they have growing to do. They have eating to do, according to Carter Mazer. So he's got to put on a little weight. But he again, he's one of those guys that's feisty. He wants to win a job here. He wants to play in Grand Rapids next season. So he's got to come in and have a really good camp to crack that lineup. All right. Two quick questions, and then we'll let you get back on vacation. One from Shay on Twitter at ShayB30, considering the offensive improvements and the depth added to the roster this free agency compared to last year, what do you see as the ceiling for this upcoming season? I will not put a ceiling on this team. That uh, oh, I don't. Like amazing. Do I do not like to do that. You just don't know, right? I mean, look at all of the teams that we've seen scrape into the playoffs. Absolutely. Or, for example, get just barely get into the playoffs and then go on a run. So I'm not going to put a ceiling on it. I think they're going to be competitive. We're in a tough division. We're in a tough conference. Let's remember that as we go into the season, it's just the way it is. It doesn't really align very friendly for the Red Wings as they, they move forward and try to get out of this rebuild and make the playoffs. But I think they're going to be right there again. They were right there until really that Ottawa series, as we refer to it, when they played the back-to-back games in Ottawa last year, they were right there and they can do that again and taking the steps forward if Alex to bring it scores like he's supposed to. If our players that we already have in the system, don't forget about Michael Rasmussen took a big jump last year and hopefully he's back super healthy and ready to go. There's just, there's a lot to be excited about, about this team. And I don't want to put that ceiling on there before we've even seen them play a game. Right. That is absolutely fair from Adam Kerr at Adam Kerr 05. 
Do you think Comfer or Cop will be the second line center next season? That's an interesting question because we know that Comfer, which Steve Eisenman preached this when he talked about him after free agency, is that he's versatile. He can play pretty much anywhere up and down the lineup, the wing, center. So I think it's going to depend on where they need him to be on. I would kind of see Cop staying at that center position and them slotting in Comfer somewhere else, especially if you're trying to get Marco Casper into that mix, which I don't, I think, again, it's just going to see how you want to line up this team. It's going to see who you want to have on this team. Who are the guys that are making the biggest pushes for a spot on the roster and training camp. And I think the versatility of JT Comper is going to make it. So he's the one that could get moved because cops going to play center. Well, Daniela, uh, I want to get you back on vacation. So I also want to thank you for coming on. And uh, is there anything coming up that people should be aware of? Um, so Ken Cal and I are doing a special edition of Inside Hockey Town on 97 won the ticket this week. So it'll be nice Thursday night starting at 7 p.m. on 97 one. So you can tune in there or stream live on the Odyssey app or Odyssey.com, of course. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit of everything. We've got a lot going on. We're gonna have a special interview, which I'm not gonna leak. So if you uh wanna hear that, you're gonna have to tune in. Um, but yeah, that that's pretty much it for the week. It's going to be a quiet couple of weeks, which everybody in the Red Wings organization very much needs. But we will bring all of that coverage on 97.1 and get Kenny Kale's thoughts on everything that happened in the past couple of weeks. Amazing. Well, Danielle, as always, we love having you on, especially when you take time out of your busy day uh, on a boat to come on and talk to. <laughs> uh, but you can find Daniela online at Daniela Bruce underscore on Twitter and on threads now. Is it the same username? What is, what is, what's going on there? It's okay. So if Twitter dies, Mark Zuckerberg has made the same thing on Instagram, basically. People I want to see on threads though. Like I'm like, who are these people? Like what is going on? Can someone figure out how to... I don't have one if it makes you feel any better. So, so it's so new, but the guy who is the CEO of Instagram is also the CEO of this new thing. And he says, we know we're working on all the features. We're working on uh, latest posts first. We're working on direct messages. We're working on all that stuff. Um, I think they were just trying to capitalize on the Twitter issues. Yeah, I kind of don't think they expected as many people to join. No. As they did. So, yeah, that I'll give them a little flack, but I'm just I'm glad I'm not the only one that's a little confused. <laughs> I'm just like posting stuff. Like, I hope someone's seeing this. I'm really not sure. <laughs> well, well, Daniela, again, thank you for coming on and taking time to talk to us. We appreciate it. And we'll make sure to have you back on again towards the beginning of the season once rosters and everything are figured out to do some previews. Yes. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it always. Thank yeah, you, thanks. Daniela. So once again, thank you, Daniela, for coming on and taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, but what me and Ryan are going to do really quick is we're going to take a quick break for a word from DraftKings. Before we hop back into questions, we're going to go a little bit over the Iserman and Debrinket pressers. I pulled out some notes from that. And then we'll wrap the episode, but stay uh, with us for just another minute. I have to give uh, DraftKings their airtime. So we're going to go ahead and do that, and we'll be right back. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-HOPENY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas in West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. 
In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus legal required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. And we're back, and we do have some questions uh, left I'm over. I'm Ron Burgundy. Jesus. Again, Ryan, are we, is this going to be a reoccurring episode <laughs> thing where if I don't say it with some sort of like advanced gusto that you're just going to make fun of me for how I say and we're back? That was just a asking questions thing. That, that was more sing was You actually that was a good and we're back. I was giving you credit for that one. I would have shit on it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, thank you, I guess, for your <laughs> your compliment. From Jay Croft at Warmcore Music on Twitter, just wants to say that Daniela Bruce rocks, and so does our podcast. Thank you. We love Thanks. you. We just hit 10,000 followers on Twitter. Hey. It's amazing. We will be giving away an Alex Debrinkit jersey uh, around the end of this month. So stay tuned for that. We will so be we doing have, a jersey get giveaway. the current giveaway, right? Yeah, we're going to get through the current giveaway, um, and I think around the end of the month is a good time to do it going into uh, training camp. So end of July, beginning of August, between August and September, training camp is in September. We'll do a giveaway at the end of the month. We're going to do a Debrinket jersey as soon as the number gets confirmed because he wants number 93. And I think he's going to get it. I don't think there will be any issues there. Yeah. So more questions and we'll do questions and then we will uh, wrap up on the presser stuff. So from Constrictor on Discord, uh, Brad asks, do they get the full tour? This is the people development camp. Do they get the full tour, meet and greet with training staff and equipment guys? Is there an initiation ceremony beyond the contract signing? Um, so maybe he's not talking about Dev Camp. Maybe he's talking about Debrinket. I think he's talking about brand new free agents. I think this was more of a Daniela question that we caught too late. Well, I mean, we can kind of answer it because they do. Like, they get to go in and meet the guy. Like, at, like give Debrinket, for example, he's in town. He lives in Michigan um he gets the full tour he gets the meet and greet he gets to meet with the guys i don't think there's an initiation ceremony that'd be kind of weird like they all dress up in black robes and they light candles and stuff they do a sacrifice (laughs) they sacrifice an octopus in the middle of the dressing room like they cut it open with a a ceremonial dagger or something um but yeah so the guys that come in they do get to meet all the staff uh if they come into town uh to I, i assume a lot of contract stuff is probably done over docusign now and a lot of the pictures, oh, sure. a lot of the pictures are just fun social media style pictures. But guys that do come into town, yeah, they have every opportunity to come in and meet a guy. If you're talking about dev camp, yes, there's classes on absolutely everything. I think that there was an article with Kevin Bicker, who was uh, our pick from the DEL, who said that they did uh, social media classes. They did personal finance classes. They did legal classes, PR stuff, nutrition. So those kids The development camp is all about getting the kids ready for professional hockey and everything that comes with it. And I think the big thing that that a lot of them are going to start focusing now, especially with like what we've seen recently with the Evander Kane stuff and with all the athletes that go and like blow a lot of their money is Uh, that they do a Jack Johnson, the other big one to head Jack Johnson. Well, that was Jack Johnson's parents. Yes. But it's like, hey, security blanket. Here's how you handle your money. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's that. Josh Misek on Twitter at jmisek 16 If you could have any player left in free agency to propel us to the next level on a team-friendly deal, who would it be? Oh. Now, the lists are thin, guys. Like, right uh, now. Let me pull it up. For, for goal scoring sake and for the lulls, it would be Tarasenko. Team-friendly deal, one or two years, really low AAV as a kind of like prove yourself that you won't get hurt again. And because like that was Ottawa's backup plan after trading to bring it, it still hasn't happened yet. And there is still word that he might go to Carolina. Tarasenko would be the ultimate last guy to add more goals for you. Uh, he switched agents to Pat Brisson, I believe Larkin's agent. So that would be my one would be Tarasenko just because I think it would be hilarious. The Sens fan base would implode even more than it is already imploding. Oh, my God. Because it's it, they've gone from you're going to give us Lucas Raymond to your team really sucks. Just the 24-hour the anger period like has extended. What an emotional roller coaster of a fan base. I, I don't even want to acknowledge it at this point because all they, have, they, they hang their hat on is they beat us twice in the regular season, and they think they have won the Stanley Cup and the Super Bowl all in one on top of missing the playoffs for Canadian teams. That's about right. I, I guess so. But Canadian players win the cup. Yeah, well, not your team. Well, not when Steve Eiserman says most guys that want a qualifying offer have high value contracts are coming to the United States. That's where as they the, are coming. As the discord conversations go, it's all about that money, man. Where are you not going to get the most taken out of your paycheck? And where are you going to win hockey games? I guess. That too. Like you get the best of both worlds when you play for an American market. America. Uh, to answer your question, though, I mean, if you look at the free agents, the top scoring, the the top goal scorer of the remaining free agents is Patrice Bergeron, which blows my mind. But he's retiring. Well, maybe. And if he doesn't, he's going back to Boston. Yeah. But I mean, the, the next on the list, you got Patrick Kane, Zach Parise. So Kane, 34. Parise. Parise's retiring. Did too. he officially retire? He's retiring as well. 38 off the list. Tomas Tatar had 20 Not goals. Not for rehashes. 32. No, thank you. And then you got Tarasenko, who was hurt part of the year. I shouldn't say part of the year for 13 games. Missed 13 games, but had 18 goals and 50 points. I mean, that would be fantastic. But what's he going to want? I mean, yeah. Detroit has the money, especially if they did it as a one-year deal, which would be if, he did, if they did anything else, it'd be a one-year deal. And at this point, the way the roster is structured, I mean, really, any of these guys that are on the list, how I even consider Phil Kessel at this point, like the, the arena the will dogs. never We've have conies everywhere. Oh, man. Uh, fill a wheelbarrow full of conies for Phil Kessel. Get him for like a year. Just pay yeah. him in hot dogs. There's got to be an American Coney that'd be like, hey, sponsor free. Let's Can go. you do signing bonuses and food? <laughs> do, like, I'm sure like, you can performance bonuses do they only limit that stuff to money can you just be like you're making league minimum but like dearborn hot dogs like dearborn hot dogs says they will give you all the hot dogs you want when you are a player here and i think you sign that deal absolutely but but no i mean it's if any if anyone else is signed i mean we can't be upset like we talked just touched on carter mazer marco casper like these guys not making the roster this year is not make or break. Would we like it to happen? Yes. 
but at the same time, and I, I like that Daniela danced around it because that's usually how I approach what is the ceiling or what do I expect this team to do? Yeah, we'll throw a, proje- a prediction out there here soon when Jay Fresh has the updated war stuff. And then we can kind of look at that and see what the po- his point projection model comes to. I feel better debating that than just trying to guess. But I mean, if you've got a team that's potentially competing into the final week of the season, which I think for this, this, the way things have built out, if they stay healthy, maybe that's the realistic expectation. Do I say it's a guaranteed playoff? No, but do they need one more goal scorer? Maybe, but if you don't take it from these guys, do you bring that in as a Casper or a Mazer to bring, to be your complimentary goal scorer? Now, is he going to be top six? That's probably what Iserman would argue is where he would rather those guys be or your middle six even. But at the same time, most of the guys on this roster can play at any point in the lineup, meaning first through fourth. We know that can be true with Christian Fisher. We talked about it with Daniel Sprong. JT Confer can move up and down. Not saying that that's a bad thing, but that's where that depth and being comfortable with what you have in the roster and guys being able to play with multiple levels of athleticism comes in handy. So of the list, Tarasenko would be the most fun to your point, just to make Ottawa melt down at this point because they're the most insufferable fan base. I think they've surpassed Toronto. I think Toronto is so much in their own misery at this point that you don't really see them talking too much. Ottawa just thinks like, we won two games. Suck our nuts. We're like, okay, no. That's whatever. But yeah, that was actually part of the the funny thing too when you're talking about leftover free agents is that Iserman was basically said, you've got him for under $8 million and you've got all this cap space left. And Iserman had the world's best smirk on his face when that was said. Who, is that when I messaged you about like getting yeah. screenshot it? Who, who asked that question? Was it Art? I don't oh, remember. Sorry, the, it was a great point. The and media is a whirlwind for me. Oh, but the smile, though, it was like, it yeah, was great. Fuckers. And that's what's funny, because he said, like, there's money left. He's not tied down by financials, only the cap. Mm-hmm. He said there's always possibilities and that he can't for sure say that he's done, because if there's a guy out there and there's a deal to be made that improves oh, yeah. the team, Iserman will make it. Yeah, go back to his comments right after uh, free agency when we finally held the presser after a couple of days. And he's like, yeah, we're, we're done right now, but there's still things that could happen. Like he left the door wide open, like saying, hey, I'm going to go make make it rain. And he did. So last question uh, from Twitter before we wrap up with the press conference from Alan Reno at Reno NBA 18. If we get a prediction for points range for certain players, he thinks 92 plus for Larkin, 90 plus for the cat. And whoever is on their line could hit 70 plus. Now, this will come with a disclaimer from me. And Iserman thinks it can happen. If Debrinket hits 40 goals, goals, okay. goals, Larkin is a 90 plus point player at that point, yep. because that's who's going to be feeding him both more likely both on the power play and at five on five will be Dylan Larkin. I think if you throw and this is where the kind of kicker comes in to bring it. If he hits 40 goals should be able to be a 90 point player. If Larkin also continues scoring, mm-hmm. that's the other half of it. So you're saying Larkin basically turns into a 30, 60. Yeah. Yeah. Around there. Yeah. And then the third player is where I I'm split on because if it's Lucas Raymond and Lucas Raymond pops off for the 30 goal season, we think he could have. 
then you're getting another player that's probably pushing a point per game at that point. If you throw if you throw a Clem Costin up there just for size and aggressiveness, Clem Costin could probably be a 45, 50 point player on that line. Does that, that turn into an advocator with the Euro Twin situation? Pulling the piano? I mean, maybe, but I mean, I think Clem Costin has more skill than just an advocator. Agreed. It's a thing. And Clem Costin, we talked about his goals per 60 numbers and his finishing numbers. That's where he's at. So if you've got, and Iserman even said it, and again, from the press conference, he compares Alex Dabrinkit to Hakan Lube and Mats Nasland, who were play-driving, play-making guys. But he also said that Alex is a better goal scorer. Mm-hmm. So Dabrinkit can push play. Larkin pushes play. The third guy on there is going to benefit from both of them regardless. It's going to bump his numbers up. But I think that Larkin... And this is just based on if Dabrinka can get back to his 40 goal self or even close 35 to 40. I think both those guys could be 90 plus point players. Yeah, I, I think I think you're going in the right direction. And a big part of it, and we've harped on this and not, we're even talking about it in the discord today. If Larkin goes 30, 60, 30 goals, 60 assists, that puts him in the top 15, top 10 in scoring for a center. That's a really good list to be a part of. And it's then, where he should be. He, he, I think he finished 17 this year. I don't think I closed that stat line from earlier. With no goal scoring winger. Yeah. So if you've got that going for you, let's go. Because the sky is the limit. I'm delaying myself. Larkin finished 17th in scoring for his center. 0.99 points a game. He had 79 points and 80 games played. The guys that were ahead of him in the top couple slots, Nico Heeshear, John Tavares, JT Miller, Evgeny Malkin, Stamkos, Matthews, Zabinajed, and then, you know, Connor McDavid. But anyways, um, he's still a top 20 goal He doesn't goal count. Yeah, he doesn't count. He's a freak. Him and Dreisaitl. But that's the conversation that we want to continue to have. Like, if you're a top 20 center in scoring in this type of the league, the way things are going, He's just for one, he's justifying that contract more and more every year. But now that you've got to bring it like we saw before. What a man, healthy Mantha and Bertuzzi could do on Larkin's wing, the way they were pacing was close to point per game a couple years back until injuries derailed everything. And then the season went down the shitter. So. That's going to be the key to all of it as it is every single year in hockey is who, if they can stay healthy, if Debrinket can stay healthy, I think 30, 40 goals. If he's in the 30 goal mark, I, I can't be upset about that because there's, there's production that we're seriously lacking for this team. So, but I still even think him getting the 30 goals puts Larkin over that hump of a point per game player. Yeah, absolutely. Now who that gets to benefit from all of those things. It's hard for me to say that it would be a Raymond because I feel like you need with with Larkin and to bring it, you're going to need a guy that's got a body. That's where I like the idea of a Clint Costin. I like big Mike Rasmussen, maybe even be on the wing. Andrew Cobb. Cobb could do be on the wing, like be a big body out there, even though he's not even the biggest. Like a David Perron, I think, would be really good on, on the wing with those two because the way he can go get the puck. There's a lot of possibilities. I think whoever you put with Larkin and Dabrinkit, if that's what ends up being the line, you, you can't you can't lose. 
at that point you have a legitimate top line and yes, it's totally. in and with the depth any like you said any pc plug in there can probably work and is not going to really hamper that line at all mm-hmm. so and i lied we've got one more question from t daddy at t daddy 506 s who plays more games in the nhl this year casper or edvinson and Ooh. i will say edvinson this is a really easy question i would say edvinson yeah probably uh, he's got more AHL experience, and I think that with the people brought in up front, that it's easier to sneak an Edvinson in than it is to sneak a forward in with how many people we've got. Yeah, I would probably have to agree with that because you look at the defense, it, I think the chance to beat out Lindstrom for the seventh spot is there. Now, is he going to be the number seven? No. Could Detroit roll with 7D? Possibly. I, I wouldn't doubt it, to be honest. Um, you could totally but scratch Ben Sherratt. You could. That was where I was. That was going to be my next point. But at the same time, you're paying him four million dollars in the press box, and now we have a Danny DeKaiser 2.0. So, would it be bad? No. But if to think about the fact that you would have Wallman, Gostas, Bear, Edvinson as your left side D, dirty, absolutely dirty. Those are some guys that will hit you. And I know Ghost is Ghost Bear small, but he'll he'll put a body on. But those are also guys that are going to make you look stupid when they got the puck. Yep. Puck on a rope type guys. So what I want to do is I'm going to move to the pressers and then we'll close tonight out. So we've already gone through some of the points from the press conference with Daniela. So if you didn't listen to that and you're coming in halfway, one, I don't know why. But two, go back and listen to the part with Daniela. Um, Like we had gone over already, it sounded like this all happened pretty quickly, that the process went fast, that Iserman was happy about having money left over and not being tied down with that first round pick that they traded away, being able to kind of shift it even possibly between years, but even between picks uh, that he thinks the bird can score 40. He's valuable on the power play and is a great line mate, uh, line mate and playmaker. He says um, now this is from Debrinket himself on playing against the Red Wings. You can see that the compete is high. The team is frustrated and wants to get out of kind of the rut that they're in out of the rebuild. He wants to be part of the solution to that. That's where the potential is. That's why he came here. This team has been his team since he was a kid. He grew up admiring Pavel Datsuk. And that's just, he, that. wanted, he wanted to be here. And that's why he took a four-year deal. And that's why he took the AAB that he did at 7.875. Because if he would have went to, what was the other rumored location, the Islanders. Isles, yeah. I think they would have said, you got to get an eight, like Lou's going to be like eight year deal at eight and a half million or whatever. Well, did you see what apparently was rumored that he was, that was offered for him? No. Together? Uh, Mo posted it in discord a little bit ago. The Islanders offered Ottawa a package, including JG Pajo and Oliver Wallstrom. Yeah. Um, so Dorian, it's again, the and Dorian they said, meme. They said no to that. Now I get it. To bring it was the ultimate deciding factor. Like, okay, cool, trade me. I'm not going to sign there. And obviously, Lou was probably like, no. But again, it's like the Dorian meme. The risk was calculated, but boy, am I bad at math. And that's basically what the whole thing was the entire time is. And that's what the Sens are trying to blame. They're not trying to blame anyone. They're just trying to say, that, oh, well, you guys are bad anyways. And we'll, you'll continue to be bad with our Alex Debrinket, who was apparently garbage, and we're just so much better than you, and our team is so much better than yours, and our prospects are so much better than yours, so it doesn't matter 
that we traded for one year of Dominic Kubalik and a first round pick that Iserman has complete control over because you guys still suck. And that's like the worst argument you can make because it makes you sound sad. And they are sad, but it makes you sound sad. It, it, it just blows my mind because now you got some of their podcasts, no less, going out saying, I hope I can't wait to see a Kachuk completely like more or less injured to bring it with a hit. So oh they're, they're already they've already stooped to that level of I'm a complete dirtbag and want to see guys get hurt that left my team. Now, now, to be fair, I will be making an appearance on a senator's podcast because they have asked me to come on and talk about it. <laughs> so I will be making now these ones seem more rational, but I will be going on one. So the guy didn't want to be like you could tell in Debrinket's comments today that he, for one, didn't want to get traded there, obviously. And two, he didn't really care to be playing there this past season, which could speak to why he had a down year and why things didn't seem to go as well, so to speak, as what they did when he was in Chicago. Like he was in a good position in Chicago, had some potential Hall of Famers that he was playing alongside of and King in particular. And now you get shipped off to a team that's trying to figure out what the hell they're doing, not only as a team, but the fact that they're now you're playing for Canadian market where it is a completely different dynamic, not saying it's easy in Chicago, but that's an original six franchise. And there's going to be a pretty high standard there to meet as well. So, but now it's, you could tell that the weight was lifted. It seemed like to me when he was talking today about coming to Detroit and what that meant to him and what, and what it means, means to his family. Yeah. And on that point, like he said, he even said he spent a year there, didn't Mm -hmm. really think about signing a long term deal. There were better options out there. The writing was on the wall, so they decided to move him. He basically said, yeah, I gave absolutely zero thought to re-signing with Ottawa. It was never going to happen. I was going to move to a better market. He said Detroit was number one on his list. Uh, There were other options out there for him. Like you said, the Islanders were an option for him. Mm -hmm. I believe Dallas at some point was in. Nashville at some point was in. He said he wanted to be here. This is where he wanted to be. We were number one on his list. He was going to have his agent make a deal and get it done. And that there was really no other place for him to go. So in a sense, what Dorian, Dorian had to accept what was put out for him or walk to bring it to free agency and lose him for nothing or trade him at the deadline. Yeah, because he would have signed him for they were getting ready to go to arbitration, which was elected. Mm -hmm. So you've got him for this year only. I mean, as a Sims fan, I'd be ecstatic because you got a guy that didn't necessarily want to be there in the first place, like I just mentioned. But now you're not losing him for nothing. It could have been far worse where you go through this season. Yeah, he might help you out. Does it change his mind if he wants to stay there or not? Probably not. But then he walks and you get nothing from it after trading off what a first, second and a third for him. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was a bad. It was it was not great. The, the, the number all over seven again. pick. So Kubalik, you're 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 not losing out tremendously. Like it's a streaky type player with Kubalik. We saw what he could do early in the season last last year, and then he just kind of fell off and hit that wall. We'll see what he can does re-energized again with Ottawa if anything can happen from it. But Debrinket coming in here, like he held all the cards, more or less. Like I just mentioned who what the Islanders were offering, which you'd be crazy to deny in any other situation, but he didn't have a contract already. Lamarillo wasn't they don't have any cap space as it is, even though I think that probably would have freed him up, even though I think Wallstrom they had to was he is he RFA right now? They still have to give him a contract. But it really could not have played out any better for Steve Eisenman. And and 
for that matter, Dabrinkit. Well, Ryan, like you said, we will see what he can does. Uh, so uh, did you did you pull anything else out of the presser that you wanted to cover? Um, I, I missed a part of the Iserman piece, but I do love that Dabrinkit's going to go with number 93. It sounds like I mean, that's what he made very clear. Everyone went the math route like, no, nine plus three is 12. But then he dropped a bomb and was like, yeah, it was the year my brother was born. I also wore that when I was in youth hockey. And we're like, victory oh. Honda. Yeah. So that'll be pretty cool to see that on the ice. Hopefully that's what it stays with, because we'll have him at 93, Casper at 92, Valeno at 90. We don't have any other 90s, right? Sprong went 88. No, I, I, other than that, I mean, it's now I just want to get to camp because I want to see who he's going to play with what the idea is for his usage. Like you got to think he's going to be first, first or second line, which you can't be mad with either, but I think he's going to be on Larkin's line. It, it just makes the most sense. And then you put him in that one time slot on the left where Perron was sitting at most of last year and let him have that on the power play. And we're absolutely pumped. Uh, and next oh, yeah. week we're going to have to do roster projections again, just where you can slot guys in. And again, with the flexibility, each of our rosters is probably going to be completely different, which makes it even more fun. So before we sign off tonight, Ryan, final thoughts and your social information and all that fun stuff. <laughs> uh, final thoughts. I, I think this this move from Steve Eiserman, I hope a lot of people are, are now happy. Uh, the reason I say that is everyone was like, he's not he hasn't made a trade. He's not doing enough to make this team better. That, like I said earlier, roughly five, six, if you count Fabry, making it through a trade and then a, a re-sign. Only five players have truly survived since Eiserman took over in 1920. Five. You think about the roster turnover since that point, it's night and day. Debrinkit now is the current, whatever you want to call it, icing on top of the cake, the top boss, like what have you, of him making his moves to try to make this team better. It's happening. Is it there yet? No, because we've, You've named off several guys that are currently in Grand Rapids or now with the, the most recent draft picks. They've got a couple of years before they're on this roster. But I think we go back and look at when we thought this team could be, be truly contending. We're starting, we're falling in line with that. Maybe a year out, two years out at max from being a decent contending team, like pushing, like they should be in the playoffs. This year is going to be a bit of a question mark to see how everything comes comes together. It's nice that it's going to be the lone second year. The team's got a better idea of what he's what it is that he's doing. But again, there is a lot of new guys that have to adjust to his system and try to make things happen. Now, they're professionals. It's what they do. They'll figure it out. Hopefully, you got to think that with all these new additions, the way that Lone came in last year saying he wants to talk to all these guys, he's probably already had conversations with all these new new players, making them understand what it is that they're looking for how things are going to work. We know that a few guys had a uh, relationship with um, Bob Bugner uh, from prior. I think it was Confer in Colorado mentioned him in particular. Yeah. And uh, guys said Jay Verady as well. Yep. So there there's, they're familiar with the coaching staff, which kind of threw me off a little bit, but it didn't because a lot of the moves that were made, it seemed like with Iserman, there's familiarity with players that are on the current roster as well as the coaching staff. So he's trying to bring in guys that know each other and can play off, play off each other, which I thought was pretty cool. So, but other than that, I mean, uh, this free agency p- 
period since July 1st, the draft, I think you're pushing like a territory for a grade at this point. You can't be mad as a Wings fan with how the things that have changed, how things have changed, where things are going. It's it's getting better. It's a process. It's getting there. I don't want to sound like I'm part of the machine of saying, hey, it's, everything's okay, because it, it never is truly okay until there's a Stanley Cup above Dylan Larkin's head. But it's getting there. Have fun. Already around 33. Yeah, I'm just going to thank Daniela for taking time again out of her vacation to come on and talk to us and talk to Camp and the Debrinket situation. She really is the queen of Detroit sports. It's She's all over the place. And then she goes and posts the sunset picture. I'm like, I'm, glad, I'm glad we let you go because yeah. you can go enjoy the sunset out on like the lakefront, which is absolutely amazing. I'm just going to say get ready because like this is if you weren't pumped, you've got to be pumped now because I got my season tickets already. The deepest the team has been in years. It's the most versatile the team has been in years. It's the most hungry the team has been in years. And there's now talent here that can make actual things happen. So uh, for all the people that say that Debrinket doesn't move us to a playoff spot, I'm I might push back at you because not just to bring it, but these other defensively sound additions that can also put the puck in the net may push us toward a playoff spot. So it's an exciting time to be a Detroit Red Wings fan. And the, de- the defense is vastly improved. If you if you think it's not, I'm going to call you a liar. No, it is. Um, but you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. Follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We'll give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us and spreading us around. Also to Vintage Detroit which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. You can check us out and subscribe on YouTube. All of our videos are there, including this talk with Daniela Bruce. And we do have when we have people on there also on camera generally, and we put them up on YouTube and it's a fun time. You can check out our merch at redbubble.com by searching the grind line. And if you go to Howie's hockey tape.com and use promo code grindline, you get 10% off. And if you use that same promo code on bring hockey back, you get 12% off, but that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.